0: and six always that's that's the culture happy saturday y'all welcome to another edition of the bucks and six podcast this is issue eight however this is volume six of they got next we're looking at the southwest division today now first of all happy saturday i know this isn't something y'all might have been expecting i mean i said it in the last issue only reason i'm really dropping this now is just that i want to finish this little mini series before the season kicks off next week on tuesday But with that, y'all already know how we do it around here. If you don't, welcome. We always start things off with a take of the day. Now, this issue's take of the day is Kevin Porter Jr. comes into his own averaging 20 and 10 and solidifies the Rockets as a young team to watch out for. KPJ is the guy I think I'm buying a lot of stock into this year. He fucking torched the Bucks for 50 points on the fact that all our guys were healthy at least all our starters were. I think when any player drops 50, they immediately kind of, not necessarily shoot themselves into the higher echelon. Actually, no, they do, because if you think about it, even scoring one basket's tough, but dropping a 50 piece, whew. Not only that, with Kevin Porter Jr., I'll get into it more later, just cause, spoiler, I haven't picked a pop off for the Rockets as well, but I think the Rockets are gonna be this year's version of the Hornets, where they're not necessarily winning that many games. It's gonna be fun to watch them play regardless. So, with that, Kevin Porter Jr. is going to pop off. Got to give that a... guarantee. Appreciate it, Chuck. Now, if this is your first time ever tuning into the Bucks and Six podcast, like I said earlier, welcome. What we're doing here is this is a nice little mini-series we got called They Got Next. And what we're going to do is go through every team. This is the last one. We're going to look at the Southwest Division today. And going through every team, we're going to look at a few things. First of all, we're going to look at their core. Who are the players that, when I think of this team, this is it. Giannis with the Bucks. LeBron with the Lakers, Kevin Porter Jr. with the Rockets. Nah, but for real, we're going to be looking at who these teams are built around and just who are their main building pieces or just main pieces in general. From there, we're going to project their starting five. I'm going off of uh, who's healthy, so for example, last issue are the Clippers and obviously Kawhi Leonard's working on a torn ACL right now. I think it's a torn ACL? I don't know, just something's fucked up in his knee. So because of that, I pegged, not pegged, pause. I put Terrence Mann there in the three to start. But yeah, we're going to be looking at who is potentially going to be their starting lineup opening night or just in general for the season. From there, we're going to go into who's going to pop off, who's going to be that guy to really take that next step. And we're not necessarily saying he's going to be an all-star, but there's going to be a really big noticeable improvement with these guys. From there, we get into who's going to slump. Who are the guys that have been solid not necessarily throughout their career, but are coming off of good years and might not be able to repeat the same thing, whether it be because of injury, situation, whatever. And finally, or not finally... We're going to be look at who could potentially be traded. Who are these guys that could contribute to another team or just need a better situation after that. We're just going to do a small little overview of how I think their season's going to go. Whether it's the play-ins, the playoffs, championship maybe. I don't know about any of the teams in here for a championship. But aside from that, yeah, just give an overall like quick take on how their season's gonna go. Now, with that, let's get into the very first team. A team that I think is under a lot of pressure this year. Not necessarily because it's championship or bust. However, it does concern one of the great young players in the league right now. We got the Dallas Mavericks. See y'all in a bit. Now, when I'm looking at the Mavericks, I see a team that's not necessarily destined for greatness. However, is on that right track for greatness just based on the fact that they have one guy who's literally potentially one of the greatest to potentially ever do it, and Luka Doncic. As it is right now, I see their core as obviously Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, Tim Hardaway Jr., one of my favorite players, Jalen Brunson, Moses Brown, and shit, on Marjanovic, the greatest center to ever play the fucking game! Nah, but for real, I... T- It's those guys minus Boban, just because he's a little old. Now, if I'm projecting their starting five, obviously you let Luca run the one. I got THJ at the two, Dorian Finney-Smith at the three, Maxi Kleber at the four. And as it is right now, I'd let Kristoff start at the five. Moving from there, player I'm thinking to pop off. This is a guy I'm really high on, Moses Brown. Had a nice few stretches during the season. I think he has the potential to average a double-double. I don't know if that's going to happen this year. However, I think he has that potential in him. He could evolve into a Clint Capella type player, you know, bang in the post and defend the basket and get motherfucking buckets. Player picking a slump. Uh, this one's this one and the potential trade person are the same. I got Willie Colley Stein. I think he could follow the rotation, mainly because Moses Brown is there now. And if I were to trade him, I'd look at more wing depth. Now, if I'm predicting the Dallas Mavericks season, I think they're definitely a playoff team. However, it's just a matter of if Luka can really get over the hump. And not necessarily just Luka, but that team in general. And just everybody lock in and help contribute back to Mavericks winning basketball, baby. Jason Kidd, even though he's a bit of a piece of shit, he is a former Bucks coach. So, I cheer for him in terms of basketball. As a person, maybe not so much. I think the Dallas Mavericks are definitely on the road To being not necessarily contenders, but being like a yearly force in the playoffs that could potentially lead to them being contenders. You never know. Now, from there, we're going to head to the place that has some of the best barbecue in the world from what I've heard. We got the Memphis Grizzlies, the former Vancouver team. Now, whenever I look at the Memphis Grizzlies, I just got to say, I always think, what if... That's because, obviously, as I said earlier, this used to be the team in Vancouver. And I just got to say, when I look at their core, if they were still here, I would go to as many games as I could. Now, moving on to their core, obviously, you got one of the best young point guards in the game right now, John Morant. After that, you got Trey J, Jaron Jackson Jr., as well as the Canadian, Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson. Nice, super solid, slow-mo, big man. From there, you got another fellow Canadian, Brandon Clark. And last but not least, I'd also throw DeAnthony Melton in there. As well as, you know what? We'll show some love to Desmond Bain too because of, y'all can probably guess. Now, they're starting five as I see it. Obviously got Jaw at the one. At the two, I'd have Dylan Brooks there. At the three, I would let Desmond Bain start personally. And at the four, Jaron Jackson Jr. And obviously at the five, new addition, Stephen Adams. In terms of players to pop off, I have two here. The first one being Desmond Bain, obviously. So with Desmond Bain, he had a good summer league slash preseason. He shot 43% from the three last year. And I think just with... His play style, his numbers would only go up playing with one of the best young point guards right now. And I really like Desmond Bain's game just for the fact that while him being drafted had a lot to do with the fact that he could shoot the ball very well. I see, based off of what I've seen like in preseason, as well as the summer league, he has the ability to both drive as well as obviously be a super big knockdown dude from the three. After that, we got Jaron Jackson Jr. He's coming off a full year removed from his injury, which I think is really nice. He's gonna hit the ground running with Jaw and we might be looking at Jaw's Robin. I know that that's what everybody really thought would happen. Obviously with how his career has gone so far, dealing with injuries and stuff like that, hasn't really gotten as much experience as he would obviously like to. But this season, Jaron Jackson Jr. is a guy I would really, really look out for. Players I think are gonna slump, or just player. I got Steven Adams here. He's coming off of one of his worst seasons. Low counting stats as well as low games played, but... In all actuality, he's really only there to grab boards and defend. I think with him, being that he's the oldest player on the team, could be a similar situation to Jeff Green. You know, he's really there to be a leader, I'd assume. Being that, a lot of this team is still very young, like Jaws, what, 22, I think, or 23? Same with like Jaron Jackson Jr. But when I look at the Kiwi Steven Adams, I see a nice gentle giant that could really help these guys to not only further themselves as basketball players, but further themselves as the leaders of this team. Player I'm picking to get traded, I have Brandon Clark here, I believe he's going into a contract Contract year, but regardless, I'm still very high on him. I think with the position he's played, the Grizzlies have a lot of depth at that position just because he plays the four, slash, he can play a bit of five. However, I do see that. The Grizzlies, if anything, would maybe trade Steven Adams as well. If I were to trade Brandon Clark, you could trade him to another team on the brink of the playoffs or maybe even contention. And as with Steven Adams, if I were them, I'd probably offload him for some draft capital. However, we saw last year that the Grizzlies were able to make it out of the play-ins into that eighth seed and even took a game from the Jazz, which I think is giving them a lot of confidence. So I would not be surprised if the Grizzlies decide to just stick it out with his team and just let it ride and see what happens and see if they can... Really make some noise in the playoffs this time. And that just leads into overall my idea of what the Grizzlies could be this season is that they'd probably make the playoffs through the play in again. I think this team is still very much in their rebuild phase. However, they're starting to not necessarily get towards the latter end of it, but when you have a player like John Morant on your team, only good things can happen, I would say. John Morant is definitely someone I would also put in my pop off selection, but. He's already done that every year in his career so far. I mean, it's only his third year, but yeah, John Morant. This is gonna be another little late take of the day, but John Morant's gonna be his first All-Star this season. That's my prediction. Now, heading from one of the young up and coming teams, we're heading to an organization that's been very much a model for excellence, somewhat coming off of the best stretch in recent history in terms of making the playoffs. We got the San Antonio Spurs. (laughs) Now, coming from a franchise that is still fairly young and still has a lot to prove, we come to another franchise that has very much been the model of excellence for quite a number of years, except for potentially last year. It's the San Antonio Spurs, coached by arguably the greatest coach of all time, Greg Popovich. As it is right now, they see their core as DeJounte Murray, Keldon Johnson, Jakob Perdle Lonnie Walker the Fourth, Derek White, and just because he was their first round pick, Josh Primo, and as well as... Devin Vassell Their starting five as it is right now I would consider to be at the one DeJounte at the two Derek White at the three Kellen Johnson at the four Thaddeus Young and at the five Jakob Bertel and that still leaves you with a pretty nice solid bench unit obviously you're gonna have guys like Josh Primo who's their new draftee Devin Vassell who can very much be a nice 3 and D player for them I read somewhere that the Spurs, particularly Pop, likes how much speed they're playing with, and I think that'll be very nice to see, given that San Antonio has always been very much a defensive-oriented team. I think I'd be very surprised, or I'm very much looking forward to seeing them run out in transition and just maybe even be one of the fastest offenses in the league. Who knows? Now, for players, I'm picking to have a really good year. First off, I got DeJounte Murray. He's already coming off a career as it is. He's just going to build off of that. And as I see it right now, Could we be looking at the next cornerstone point guard of the Spurs? DeJounte Murray is a nice big guard, gives the Spurs a lot of length, given that he's 6'5", I believe, which is a really nice size for a guard. And overall, I would consider him to be one of the most underrated guards as it is right now. I think that's just a matter of how he's in San Antonio right now, given that... In their recent performance in the past few years, they haven't given much to add on to the legacy that is the Spurs organization. But after that, we got Keldon Johnson. He's coming off an Olympic medal and a career year as well. I would love to see him average 15 plus this year. And when I look at some guy like Keldon, he's definitely playing with the most confidence he's ever had. Because if you think about it, he came off of playing with the greatest players in the world with the U.S. Olympic national team. And Even Draymond Green was quoted saying this dude's like, giving more energy than anyone else. And I think if you got the co from a guy like Draymond Green, you must be doing pretty all right for yourself. Player I'm picking to have a slump. I got Thaddeus Young here. He's the oldest guy on the roster. And Pops mentioned that, again, like I said earlier, they want to play a very fast game. Don't know if that is going to stick around. He's very much one of those players I can see being a trade deadline target. And in doing so, would definitely trade him to a team where they're either contending or competing for a playoff spot. Potential trade piece. I got Derek White here. He's coming off a career as well. Granted, slight asterisk on that because he only played 36 games. As it is right now, the Spurs have a lot of depth at this position. And not only that, Derek White is already 27, which he's in his prime right now. But the Spurs, as it is right now, are in a rebuild. So he might be better off spending his most peak, peak, physical conditioned years (laughs) in another team, in another situation. But... Man, if Greg Popovich is there, there's always a chance for the Spurs to have a really good season. But regardless, Derek White could really contribute to a competitive team. If they weren't in the West, though, I feel that the Spurs would be a lot, lot better. Now, overall, as I mentioned earlier, any team that's ever coached by Greg Popovich, you can never fully count them out. I get it. The Spurs don't really have a, a Giannis Antetokounmpo, a Steph Curry, you know, a player that, when I look to this franchise, this is the number one dude, this is a guy that a lot of our defensive game plan is going to be planned around stopping, but I digress. The San Antonio Spurs have very much been a model of excellence in the league, and I think that can still continue, obviously when you're coached by one of the greatest coaches of all time. However, I would not be surprised if they're in the lottery, and a very high in the lottery next season. Coming from there, we're gonna head over to New Orleans, the home of Beignets. Shoot, a lot of good food. I've never tried gumbo, I want to try it someday because it looks mad bomb. But we got the New Orleans Pelicans. Stay locked in, y'all. When I look at the Pelicans, I see a team that could very much be on the rise. However, I would not be surprised if this is a down year for them as well. Now, when I look at the Pelicans, obviously you have a core of Zion, B.I. Jonas Valanciunas, as well as I'd throw in Nikhil Alexander-Walker in there. As much as i love to throw Devontae Graham in there, I think he's still got to sort of showcase that he still has a bit of that last year in him where he was arguably in the reigning for MIP. And that is why, when I look to the projected starting five, at the one I got Devontae Graham, I think he provides a lot of floor spacing, which if you have a player like Zion Williamson as one of your key cornerstones definitely something you need there. At the two, the Canadian boy, Nikhail Alexander-Walker. I think he's very much poised for a good season. At the three, obviously, shoot, another slim reaper, Brandon Ingram. At the four, a behemoth and a giant of a man at 6'6", running in at, oh, it's like 280, Zion Williamson. And at the five, one of the most underrated centers in the league, Jonas Valanciunas. Now, when it comes to players who are going to pop off, I have two here, and it's the backcourt. Now, first, we're going to look at Devontae Graham. So, As I mentioned earlier, he's a year removed from his potential MIP season. I think he'll be one of the primary outside scorers. And like I said earlier, his ability to stretch the floor fits more in New Orleans due to Zion's inconsistency in the area. And this new situation could be the one that really needs him to pop off. Devontae Graham was playing in a situation where he was playing at home, so I feel there's way more pressure. We've seen guys like uh, Stephon Marbury where, shoot, they weren't able to live up to the pressure. Or not necessarily live up to the pressure, but just... That situation of trying to, you have all this hominess around you and still trying to be the best basketball player possible could be overwhelming for some people. Not saying that happened to Vontae Graham, but this new situation could be what he needs to really get back on track in his career. Moving on from there, at the two, and as well as the second guy I'm thinking to pop off, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. I think he's going to be the next breakout Canadian. We saw last year with Shea Gilgis-Alexander really taking a big step. Shoot bro, it's time for the cousin to step in. Which if you didn't know, Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Shea Gillis Alexander are cousins. So not only are they Canada's loved and adored basketball players, but there's a family connection there, which is really nice. I do hope one day down the road they do not necessarily play together, but man, that Olympic Canadian team is looking real, real nice. But back onto the topic of the Pelicans. Moving on from the players I think are going to pop off, the player I think is going to slump. As much as I love him, I got Jonas Valanciunas in here just for the fact that he's going to get less touches. He's coming from arguably being the second leading scorer in Memphis to a sort of ambiguous position. Could be the third option, could just be a guy that's out there to stretch the floor and grab rebounds. Not really sure, but the one thing I can, not necessarily guarantee, but the one thing I would very much bang on is that Jonas Valanciunas will be a model of excellence as well as a model of consistency. For the New Orleans Pelicans, but I think just again, he's coming into a situation where there's a lot less ball to go around So obviously I think his statistics might take a little dip in there. Now with players to potentially get traded I got Jackson Hayes here. He's a very high lottery pick. He was the 10th pick in his draft Could flourish with the right opportunity. However As it is right now, you got Jonas Valanciunas really taking up that starter role for sure So I'm not sure how much run there's going to be for Jackson Hayes here, or if he even wants to be the backup center, even though that was pretty much his role last season. Who knows? The guy might be like, man, you know what? I think I could really flourish and be a starter somewhere else. and might go do that. Now, if I were to trade him, it'd obviously be to a team that's in a rebuild slash has time for these growing pains, just because he hasn't gotten as much run as much as the other guys in his draft class. So I think if you're picking up Jackson Hayes, it's very much a project as well as something that could pay very handsomely over time, but again, it's just gonna really take that that time, much like how Giannis, how Giannis was. But overall, with the New Orleans Pelicans, they're very much they're very much in a gray area with their rebuild. I believe with Giannis being, <laughs> with Zion being out for the first month, I think this is very much gonna be a time for Brandon Ingram to cement himself as. In my opinion, I like him more than Zion, just off the fact that he's able to stretch the floor as well as he provides a lot of length. Obviously, he's not the force that Zion is. However, Brandon Ingram plays a very, very nice game, as well as a game I think could last way more longer than Zion's, just based off the fact that this dude really doesn't weigh as much as Zion. Like, Zion literally is the second heaviest player, whereas he's pretty average size-wise. But, enough of picking on Zion. I think the Pelicans, I... I really don't like the idea of this being like a make it or break it year just based off like Zion is still on his rookie contract and not even that. Once he is eligible for max money, there ain't no fucking way that the Pelicans aren't going to match whatever he gets. So Zion, I think, is at least there for another four or five years with Brandon Ingram, as well as all those guys there. I think that. If the Pelicans really do start to make noise, this could be like one of the next powerhouses potentially. They're still a relatively young team, have lots of talent. It's just a matter of really letting that mesh together and shit, really play some really, really good basketball. And they're very much capable of that. It's just a matter of, will they? But to make things shorter, if I'm looking at the Pelicans right now, I believe them to be, they'll either be the sixth seed, so just about missing the play-in, or being in the play-in. I think one way to really go in the direction of keeping Zion there is to make the plan at least. You gotta be somewhat playing competitive, meaningful basketball with a guy like Zion on your team. So we'll see. Now, moving on from here, we're gonna go to a team that I believe could be the most fun team to watch this year. It's the Houston Rockets. Flat out, Houston Rockets are gonna be the most fun team to watch. That's how I'm setting the tone here. Their core right now, I would consider it to be KPJ, Christian Wood, Jalen Green, Alper and and maybe even throw Josh Christopher in there. They're projecting starting five. At the one, KPJ. I'm super excited to watch this dude. At the two, Jalen Green, Pinoy Pride. At the three, Sean Tate. At the four, Kenyon Martin Jr. And at the five, Christian Wood. Literally, just looking at this projected starting five, you see a lot of youth. So you already know these guys are ready to run. I'm ready to watch the Houston Rockets play some basketball, man. Holy. Players I'm picking to pop off. First is the most obvious one, probably, KPJ. This dude dropped 50 points on one of the best defensive teams and the eventual champions in the Bucks. unfortunately. I think his willingness to play point guard showcases that he's also willing to be a leader for the team, just because if you think of the point guard role, who is the guy that's the leader on the team? Most of the time, it's the point guard. We're looking at the potential MIP here, especially if he delivers on his like, man, I'm trying to average 10 assists this year. If he really does that, I think there's not a shadow of a doubt. Might be in competition with Michael Porter Jr. Who is another guy I, I potentially have here winning it. But shoot man, Kevin Porter Jr. I think he's gonna have the green light this year. So this dude better drop like. I don't wanna, I don't wanna say this is the James Harden replacement, but shoot, KPJ is gonna be something special, man. That's all I can say. Moving on from there, Christian Wood. He would have been MIP in my opinion if he played more. Obviously he got derailed a bit because of injuries, but regardless, he had a career year. Just going to build on top of that. I think along with having a more recognizable nexus to the team, just because at the beginning of the season, you thought, ooh, this team's going to be nasty. John Wall, James Harden, Christian Wood. Ooh, we all know how that turned out. But all jokes set aside, he's already a top 10 player. Or not top 10 player. He's already a top 10 setter, in my opinion. He's going to play with a lot of confidence this year. And man, if he just has the almost the same type of season, but playing more games and overall maybe even bump him up a little bit, shoot could even climb his way even up even further off that ladder of the top 10 center list. Now, players to slump, obviously you got John Wall, who's not even going to play this year, as it seems right now, because if I was him, I'm not accepting a buyout. Shit, man, pay me my 90 million. To give a more uh, more concrete answer, I guess, I got DJ Augustine here. He's the oldest player on the team, so obviously he doesn't fit with the timeline of the rebuild. I believe he's 33, but I think with DJ Augustine, he played for the Bucks last year, so I'm somewhat of a fan of him, as well as playing for... Indiana Pacers which if you haven't listened to the first ever issue I did start out as a Pacers fan but man now it's all bucks don't worry with DJ Augustine I can see him not necessarily getting any minutes however just being a veteran point guard because I think people people don't really value longevity as much as it should be in the league if you're 33 and you're still in the league you're doing something right like there are literally hundreds and hundreds of players who don't even play their first year or get through their first year and this guy's 33 and he's fucking 5'11", and he's carved out a pretty decent, like, career as a bench player in my opinion. But regardless, DJ Augustine, I don't think he's gonna even get much run this year. Now, players to get traded, I do have John Wall here just because if he's really itching to play ball, they'll figure something out. Man, there's no such thing as an immovable player nowadays. GMs are smart as fuck, and I'm sure they'll figure something out, because they always do. And when I look at John Wall, he's still a really, really good point guard. Put him on a team like the Clippers with everyone healthy, they become probably... I don't want to give them the top team in the West, but shoot, Clippers become even scarier than they already were. However, I understand that he doesn't want to buy out. I wouldn't either if I'm supposed to be paid 90 million dollars. John Wall. Man, go there, be a, stay in Houston, be a player coach for the next two years and collect your check, baby. And the other player I have potentially getting traded, Eric Gordon. He's another vet on a young rebuilding team. I think he could potentially agree to a buyout just because he's not expecting $90 million. You put him on a contender and that sounds dangerous. If I were to trade him, I'd probably offload him for a pick. Eric Gordon, I think, is still very serviceable. He's very much one of those what-if players if his knees held up in his early years because, man... Early Eric Gordon was a problem. And in my opinion, in the right situation, this guy could be... Whew, man, he could play Luke Kennard, but plays, real, <laughs> but plays good defense. <laughs> but obviously, with the Rockets, since they are in a rebuild, we shouldn't expect much from them this year. I think they're definitely going to be in the lottery. It's just a matter of, shoot, are they going to shut down guys? Like how they shut down SGA. But no, also kidding aside, regardless of if they're playing for meaningful basketball or not, this team is gonna be one of the most fun teams to watch in the league. I'm calling it right now. It's gonna be the equivalent of the Charlotte Hornets. I'm just genuinely so, so excited to watch the Houston Rockets this year. It's gonna be crazy. But that is gonna do it for the Southwest Division in terms of analyzing them. Now, let's head over to ranking them. When it comes to ranking, I'm gonna go bottom up, so at the very bottom, I have the Spurs. They have no players with like crazy crazy superstar MVP level potential in my opinion. However, that's just, you know, shit, it might be like 2k where it might be untapped potential. But as much as I love the Spurs, and as much as I was saying that you can never count them out, if I'm being realistic, I... not think they're gonna make the playoffs I think they'll make some noise potentially and might slip into a play-in however no way they're making it seed one to six from there we got Houston obviously they're a team in a rebuild so I wouldn't expect them to really really be challenging for a playoff spot if they were to challenge for a play-in spot though might be very dangerous Could give those young guys because they're playing with nothing to lose at that point. It's not like the Lakers where it's championship or bus. But either way, as I said earlier, Houston Rockets, Houston basketball, man, they're a team that I really wish I could watch live. At the third spot, I have Memphis just because they don't have as clear and as big a nucleus as the other teams above them. Just because based on the fact that John Morant, as it is right now, is still really the only this is our guy on the Memphis Grizzlies right now I think Trey J could be that guy however based on what we've seen and as well as his health a little scary there but I do think Memphis has the ability to make the playoffs again at the second spot here I got Nola the New Orleans Pelicans they are such a talented team and have a nice nice dynamic duo of Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson it's just a matter of can they one stay healthy and two can they be in like the right situations at the right time just because we saw how with was it Stan Van Gundy, I think? Uh oh, whichever Van Gundy brother it was, they weren't really like, they weren't on shit. That's why they got fired in their first year. But jokes set aside, the New Orleans Pelicans, I think, could be a very good team this year. If they were to make the playoffs straight away, I think they'd just be at that sixth spot. Otherwise, there might be another team playing in for the play-in. So, that obviously means at the number one spot, we have Dallas. Luka Doncic, I think, is a future MVP and has, like, I really don't want to use the word go, but he has that aura to him. He came into the league probably the most comfortable out of all those guys just because he's been playing... He signed his first contract when he was 13 for Real Madrid. So, if that doesn't showcase that this dude has been a walking professional, like, literally since his balls dropped, I don't know what is. (laughs) Sorry for that graphic image, but, you know, the Dallas Mavericks... Shoot, man, they've had a lot of, they've had luck with, a, with another white European dude, a.k.a. Dirk, German Jesus. And with Luka Doncic, he's already a top five player in the league. Might be that fifth spot, but he's like one of the top dogs in this league as it is right now. And with Kristaps Porzingis, hopefully he has a nice healthy season is able to somewhat regain his all-star form. Whew, that team's dangerous. So, just to reiterate, at the bottom, we have the Spurs at the number four spot. We got Houston at the number three spot. Memphis at the two. New Orleans and the best team, as I see right now, they got next in the Southwest Division. We got the Dallas Mavericks. With that, that has been another issue of the Bucks and Six podcast. Thank you so much for everyone who's been listening in. Happy Saturday. Hope you guys enjoy the rest of your weekend. And remember, there are not a lot of guarantees in life. However things that are guaranteed for death, taxes, and bucks and six. Have a good one.